Explore Milwaukee's past and its future, one building at a time. This is Urban Spelunking with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Immig, from 88.9. Over the next two weeks here on Urban Spelunking, we're talking about the history of Milwaukee's zoos. It actually started, the first Milwaukee Zoo was way back in 1892 in Washington Park. And then in the 1960s, it moved to the current location on the western edge of the city near West Dallas and Tosa. So to go way back, we're going to do this in kind of two parts. This week, we're talking about the Washington Park Zoo, 1892, Bobby. Let's uh, let's go back to then. How did it get started there and why Washington Park? Well, um, you know, Washington Park, which at the time that it was built, was called West Park. Um, and along with Riverside Park and Lake Park and the two related boulevards, which are Washington Park Boulevard and Newberry Boulevard, uh, were all designed by Frederick Law Olmsted, uh, oh. who was, of course, famous for designing Central yes. Park and Prospect Park in New York City. But also, he and his sons ended up doing um, park work in loads and loads of states. I mean, if you actually look it up there, there's Olmsted parks all across the country and cities everywhere. Um, and um, so they did these parks. And um, I'm not sure why it was decided Washington Park versus lake park except perhaps maybe space wise um but they did open the the zoo then in the southwest corner of washington park along vliet street and what's interesting is the park used to go right up to like 48th street um the park where the stadium freeway is now located uh that land used to actually be part of the park and the zoo and so what's interesting is there's people um after I wrote the story a couple of weeks ago, uh, one of my neighbors came up to me and said, oh, I really enjoyed that Washington Park Zoo story because I grew up uh, on 48th Street and I could hear the animals from my house because they were literally like <laughs> across wow. the street from where he grew up. I mean, this was a this was a zoo like literally in the middle of the city. Yeah, truly an urban zoo. Yeah, it was in the southwest corner of the park and it was it took up a fair bit of space in the park, but it was very kind of hemmed in. They were still very... Um, because of the neighborhood on one side and actually actually neighborhood on two sides, there really wasn't much room for it to grow. And was this pretty typical for, you know, city zoos that were just kind of in these parks? I'm thinking back for some reason to like, uh, if you remember the movie Batman, um, Batman Returns, there's this, this scene where the penguin goes to the Gotham City Zoo and it's in this like, you know, gothic park with these arches and this wrought iron. And it seems like, this is kind of how Milwaukee Zoo was. It was like right in the middle of the city in this place where anybody could go to and it was more of a park setting. Yeah, and interestingly, um, you know, that you mentioned it, I think I'm thinking of the other Olmstead parks we mentioned. There is a, a similar park in, a similar zoo in Prospect Park in Brooklyn. Of course, the Central Park Zoo, okay. which was very similar in style, was very famous. And that one was just across the street from uh, Fifth Avenue. I mean, it was just... It ran along Fifth Avenue, still does, runs along Fifth Avenue, so right across the street from residential apartment buildings and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I think it was pretty – oh, and you think of Chicago, the older yeah. zoo in Lincoln Park uh, in Chicago mm-hmm. is in the middle of an urban park. Um, and what about Racine? Don't they have a, a zoo kind of yes. in a park there to this also, day? Yeah, also right in a neighborhood basically. So, yeah, I mean, I think it, it really was the norm to do that. St. Louis Zoo is in a park. You know, it's, I think it's was and probably still is pretty common. 
And that's probably why, as zoos got more popular, why they ultimately had to move out of these settings because they just it wasn't good for the animals to be in these small spaces and um, size, you know, the location and, and the space was really a premium. Yeah, well, it, it, that's true. And if you look at the, I did two stories of Washington Park photos and the first set were older, tended to be older photos than the second set. Um, and you can even see a difference between the older photos and the, the more recent photos where the enclosures started to get bigger. Like, you know, the in the older photos, the polar bears are all crammed into this tiny little area. Um, but then they built like a new bear enclosure for like, uh, I think it was the black bears. And that's a much bigger area and didn't have bars. It wasn't a cage. It was more like the kind of zoo we have now where the animals are outside in a naturalistic setting. But even still, that much bigger space was clearly too little. You could see at least 10 bears roaming around this little this uh, open space. And the fact that, you know, they ran the stadium freeway through there, which ran right through the zoo. They had to demolish some of the zoo buildings just to run that through. Um, and the fact that there was really no place to expand the zoo just meant it was it was sort of doomed in that location, like you said, because, you know, and even in New York, the Central Park and Prospect Park zoos survived, but not without a much bigger, much more modern Bronx zoo being built uh, sort of out on the edges of the Bronx. So part of what makes your story so cool, Bobby, is you have all these amazing photos from the Washington Park Zoo, from what the the late 1800s, early 1900s. What And you were able to like capture this moment where you can look at these photos and really get a window back to what these zoos looked like back then. So what did the Washington Park Zoo look like? What will people see when they see the photos? I'd like to take credit for that, but you know the the people I worked with at the at the zoo now, um, just they sent me these amazing amazing photos, and the and the first batch was great because they were all taken by this photographer who had his office on Fleet Street, not far from the zoo, named Joseph Brown. So I put all those Joseph Brown pictures in one story together, and those are from the 1890s into the 1920s, I believe. Um, so those really captured the the early years of the zoo and. What you tended to see were a lot like what you see still at um, the Lincoln Park Zoo in Chicago. Some of those, or again the you know the Prospect Park Zoo, those kinds of things, much smaller enclosures than we're used to, much more um, cage-like structures than we're used to. Now, you know, in our era, the animals tend to be outside in big open areas, or they're in uh, they have indoor spaces that don't feel quite as cage-like. Um, but there were some open, there were a few buildings, like an aviary that uh, had uh, birds, two aviaries actually that had birds, and there were some indoor uh, buildings for other animals. Um, and there were some familiar sites like Monkey Island, which of course, you know, there's a Monkey Island at the zoo now, but there was originally mm-hmm. a, monkey, a Monkey Island at... Uh, Washington Park Zoo too, and there was a, a seal area that was outside, again, sort of caged off, but like, again, an island surrounded by a bunch of water. Um, but very much cagey, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Um, much cagier than we think of a zoo now. Much more compact, much more yeah. sort of tightly squeezed together in this area. I just uh, I googled my my Batman penguin reference here, <laughs> and the the Gotham Zoo, the old zoo, according to the Batman lore, that was actually the access point to the penguins' hideout. 
So oh. I guess like when you know when we're looking back to the uh, kind of the the nature of these these zoos, uh, maybe there is kind of like a, a sinister element there where it's like kind of cagey and kind of um, kind of a an attraction that brought people out to kind of point and get close and maybe like when I saw the the photo of the like the bear exhibit where it's like the bears right there, you know, like just behind some yeah. bars. It looked like, wow, uh, this, it was a different time. Yeah, it really was. And and it's funny because when I did the, the first one, the first article with the photos, um, a couple of people looked at them and immediately just expressed <laughs> concern about um, the welfare of the animals being kind of crammed into those little spaces. But I guess the other side of that is that the photos do show you, you know, people visiting the zoo too. So it's um, not just the the zoo itself, but you can kind of really get a sense for this period in Milwaukee, in this park, in Washington Park, in the 1890s uh, through the 20s. Yeah, and what what I like about it is it's like when you see those pictures of uh, people at the Braves games at County Stadium in the 1950s. They're all wearing suits and hats and dresses. And yes, yes. <laughs> You know, they they dress they're dressed nicer to go to the zoo than most people do now to go to work. <laughs> they all look like they're coming from or going to a wedding. Well, the Washington Park Zoo had some pretty famous residents over its time. In fact, names you probably would know today. Names like Samson and Simba and even lesser known ones, Silver King and Sultana. So the story of Samson, Simba, Silver King, and Sultana coming up next on Urban Spelunking. Radio Milwaukee is on a mission. And if you're here to discover new perspectives on music in Milwaukee, then you're on a mission too. Join today to support the programming you love. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org and click the orange heart. And we're back on Urban Spelunking talking about the Washington Park Zoo. Bobby, you found all these amazing pictures where we, you can actually go and look at this zoo. And it was uh, it looked like a great place to visit way back then in the 1890s. But it moved over its time. In fact, it outgrew its location in the 1960s and eventually moved to a different part of the city. But we're talking about that next week on Urban Spelunking. This week, we're talking about the famous residents from the Washington Park Zoo, including Samson, Simba, Silver King, and Sultana. Uh, some, some names you might even recognize today. Probably the most famous of those zoo residents is Samson, Samson the Gorilla. What's the story there? This is uh, uh, probably a name that a lot of people will remember. Yeah, you know, Samson uh, is most famous for being, uh, I guess, to our generations, most famous for being at the Milwaukee County Zoo, uh, where he was until he died in 1981. But he was actually given to the zoo um, by the Pepsi Brewing Company. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, which is interesting. Um, and he was born in 1949 and was captured in the wild, apparently. Um, and he became like a huge attraction at the zoo. I mean, he and another baby, another small gorilla um, were there and he was just super popular. And, you know, he, he was interesting because he was, um, he was one of the largest gorillas in captivity, you know, so he even got some attention outside of Milwaukee Um he had sort of a he was sort of a bittersweet thing because people loved him, but they also got the sense that he was not happy all the time, you know, because he he made sort of 
crazy faces and pounded on the glass and just looked. Yes. You know, I mean, there was there was sort of a bittersweet side to Samson. And then uh, when he died in 1981, it's, it seemed as if, you know, the whole city was uh, was mourning. There's a very cherished photo in my family of my brother when he was, he must have been like two or three years old. Um, visiting Samson, and this was had to be had to have been like two years before his before Samson died, and Samson is in his iconic, you know, state, pounding on the glass. My brother's in tears; <laughs> he's terrified of Samson, and uh, just you know, kind of goes to show you what it, what what it was like visiting Samson. Well, and with good reason. Apparently, he broke the glass four times. Wow. He well, he weighed six hundred and fifty pounds or something you know yeah so he it was, was a, a, was he a, was a guy, yeah. force of nature man he was like so that that endless pounding broke the glass at least four times so your brother was was wise to be a little scared <laughs> so samson you know there is a there is this uh, replica of samson at the public museum now yes it, it's um in fact it won best in show uh in the world the taxidermy artist wendy christensen uh, won this global competition with the the recreation of this this gorilla that they were able to uh, kind of piece back together from um, castings of his body after he passed, and they were able to preserve. So, just really interesting story that that he's still there in the museum today. Yeah. In fact, while we're talking about um, taxidermy, um, there's another. There's actually a lion in the Milwaukee Museum right now by the name of Simba. Yes. Who used to live in the Washington Park Zoo. In fact, uh, it had a connection to, you mentioned Pabst with Samson. This had a connection to the Cudahy family. In fact, uh, was uh, Simba was brought over from Africa during some like um, safari trip, some like exotic safari hunting trip. Yeah. Yeah. And he got here in the late 20s. Um, and they he temporarily lived in the, mu- the public museum's uh, taxidermy department while he was alive. <laughs> Pre-taxidermy. Um, <laughs> right, a little foreshadowing for what yeah, was to come. Yeah. Um, but he was little at the time, and I guess they, you know, fed him milk and and meat. <laughs> and he, he used to uh, roam around the fourth floor and on the roof. Uh, at the time, the, the public museum was in the central library building. Um, so people talk about how he lived in the library because that's where the museum was at the time. But yeah, so he had run of the roof, and I imagine he'd you know, he's a cat, so I imagine he was up there chasing the birds. You know, those old seagulls up there. <laughs> Luckily, he didn't leap off the side, you know. There's some pictures of him um, playing with a bowling ball, like a yeah. cat would play with a regular cat toy. And it's like to the right scale and just like rolling around this bowling ball and chewing on this bowling ball because there was a literal lion living in this in this, uh, in this this building downtown. Can you in, imagine what that sounded like? Library, a, a lion right? chasing a bowling ball around on the fourth floor <laughs> in a library? So, uh, but, you know, that bowling ball was a problem too because he, he hurt himself with that bowling ball um, and caused, like, dental abscesses. Um, and so ultimately he ended up at Washington Park Zoo sooner than they had planned for him to to be moved to the zoo because of this, uh, this dental work he needed done. It was basically an emergency. So he had, he went to the zoo to be taken care of and then ended up staying at the zoo. Um, and so he was at the zoo, um, for quite a while. I'm, tr- I'm not sure what year he died. Um, but, but he definitely lived out his life there. He, he did live out, He did live out his life there and now he lives out his afterlife back in the museum right 
so he never left Milwaukee. He's he's still here. No. And right. and same kind of goes for Samson. I mean, we've got his the 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 I guess the second best preservation possible of him. Best in show, you know, world <laughs> right. famous taxidermy recreation. Right. right. Let's talk about Zero. The offspring of of these two polar bears. In fact, these polar bears were the first to be um to be born in captivity and to survive in captivity, which looking back it's kind of sad. Let's let's just acknowledge that, you know, the idea of polar bears living, being raised in Wisconsin, um, you know, but it is what it is. That's the history. And they have this this uh, this cub zero. Yeah. So there was four um, four polar bears came to the Washington Park Zoo in 1912. They were all orphaned in Greenland, apparently. Um, and there was one female. Oh, they were orphans. Okay, that makes it a little better. I guess, right? And they survived. They were not born. <laughs> they were not born here, right? Um, okay. So there was a female named Sultana, and there were three males named Clown, uh, okay. Borealis, and Silver King. And Silver King and Sultana had uh, a cub named Zero, born in December 1919, and uh, he was the first polar bear born in captivity in. North America to survive, which is a, um, like you said, again, bittersweet, sweet that he survived, bitter that so many before him presumably did not, right? Because, you know, I assume I, I'm, he, I'm just, I'm just a, getting the wordplay here with, with his name zero, like, like zero degrees. He's a polar bear. It's oh cold. yeah, 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 yeah. He's also I would think like he should like, be, he should be, he should have been named one because he was the first one to survive. <laughs> Maybe they were counting like you would, you know, like. In computer science, where you start on zero, I don't maybe, know. Yeah, maybe they didn't want to. Probably jinx not. <laughs> Probably not. Right. Okay, so this is this is Milwaukee can claim that that we were the first city, the first zoo to breed a polar bear. Yeah, and I should say too that at Washington Park Zoo there were um, animals that were famous, but more sort of in a group than as individuals, because of course. Uh, People who are old enough to remember going to the zoo always talk about Sheep Mountain, like the sheep that lived on this hill. Um, they always talk about Monkey Island because they loved Monkey Island. They always talk about the bison enclosure where all the, the bison lived. So there were these sort of like um, must-see exhibits um, and animals that were were locally famous too, although they were not – the individual animals themselves were not famous. But as a group, they were. And I, it's so cool that um, not only do we have these pictures we, where we can go back and look at these, you know, at these this moment of Milwaukee history and, and at these animals and these enclosures and the zoo itself, but we can also still visit Simba and Samson today at the museum. Yes. Well, definitely go and look at the photos. You can get a real, really cool peek back in time. We've got that linked up at radiomilwaukee.org slash podcasts. Podcasts in 88.9 are produced by Kenny Perez. Handcrafted sonic inspiration comes from the License Lab with support from your membership and from On Milwaukee. You can subscribe to this podcast and all of 88.9's podcasts right here at radiomilwaukee.org slash podcast or anywhere else that you find your podcasts. And while you're listening, we do ask that you would take just a second and rate and review this podcast and let us know what you like hearing about urban spelunking. On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo, talk to you next week. We're heading to the, the current Milwaukee County Zoo and and talking about that move in the 1960s. See you there. 